Hi, RV Renovation Nation. Welcome to the New Look RV Renovation Podcast. Where we want to empower and entertain RV renovators with relevant information, ideas, and stories that'll help you give that RV a new look. We're your hosts. I'm April. And I'm Derek. If you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening and on YouTube if you're watching. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about how we approach RV renovation from a design perspective. So, where I think do we it start? All, it all starts with shopping. Shopping. Shopping for the RV, right? No. Really? You think that's the first part? I think the first part is shopping for the throw pillows and the pretty poles and the pretty lights. All the stuff we put in at the end is an afterthought? (laughs) It's an afterthought for you, potentially, but I'm thinking about that months before you're shopping for an RV. I believe it because there's a lot of times when um, we haven't even gotten gotten an RV yet, and April already knows all the color palettes. She knows what we're doing in it, and... um, there's really no decisions left for everybody else to make. <laughs> but I try. I do that intentionally. So you find some sort of inspiration ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And you're probably finding that where online? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm constantly looking at Instagram and Pinterest um, and magazines. Obviously, we watch like HGTV, just pulling from different designers and ideas and is it things that like are really speaking to you at the moment or is it just like uh creative ideas that you think you might want to just try out i think it's an overall style that i'm drawn to uh but also a lot of times my design starts with a main color and so whether that's you know white and black or white and a green color or whatever it is i think i personally tend to start with the color palette and work from there backwards, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then you uh, generally, you put together like some design boards and (laughs) kind of map it out and you present it to me as uh, here's what it's going to look like. Yeah, I put together a whole mood board and it's really kind of fun to see that initial mood board and then watch as the RV renovation unfolds and see if that mood board really plays out. And surprisingly, it, it really does, I think. Yeah, and it's kind of, uh, I mean, it makes sense to me, but I'm a little bit more of a visual person in the sense that I want to be in the actual RV that we're renovating <laughs> before I start like visually picturing, you know, what wall is what and what color the cabinets are and that sort of thing. But um, that kind of brings us to the point where we actually do find an RV that we buy and purchase and decide to renovate and we get it home. Then we uh, typically have a design meeting or two. Yeah, we go out in the RV and have a cup of coffee or a white claw, and kind of go over our options. And I think the big thing that we initially decide on is what's going to stay in the RV and what's going to go, what's going to get demoed out. I think that's a great place to start too, because the more you can save and reuse, um, you're going to keep the renovation costs down. Obviously, it's less work. It could be less time. Anything that we do pull out, we generally try to keep intact so that we can either sell you know, on Marketplace, if it's like a couch or something, mm-hmm. or we can donate to a place like Restore where somebody else might use it down the road in a different project. Yeah, or even with our last renovation, we were able to donate all the cushions from the bench, from the dinette area to a local animal shelter. That's right. Yeah. So that's, you know, seeing that kind of stuff get put to use and not end up in a landfill, I think is just a big win. Definitely a win for us and for the earth. <laughs> and so uh, we're, we're in the RV. We're doing this design meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, April's- We've now drank 
Three cups of coffee. Three cups of coffee. April's throwing out color palettes. She's saying like, these cabinets are this color. And then she'll have to show me what that color really is because usually I don't know the names of the color and <laughs> what that actually correlates with. Um, it kind of reminds me, we're also wedding photographers. And anytime we sit down with a bride and, you know, I'm of course having like some chit chat and finding out about their wedding. And I'll say, what color are the bridesmaids dresses or what color are your flowers? And you know, a bride will say like periwinkle or whatever the color may be. And I know exactly what she's talking about. And it's just over Derek's head. I just have to have it uh, uh, not transcribed. What's the word when you convert something from one language to the other? Uh, translated? Translated. That's right. I just have to have a, a, a girl talk color translator on hand. <laughs> but so we're out there and we're talking about what's, what's going to stay, what's going to go, what's going to get uh, painted or turned into what color. Um, we're looking around, identifying um, accent walls. Yeah, I would say that's one of the big things we start off with is we like, with every renovation, we like to give some things to the RV that make it feel a lot more homey. And accent walls is one of those. And so there's a plethora of options of accent walls that you can add to an RV. Yeah, and I think maybe we'll just do a whole episode on accent walls sometime. Oh, my. I could talk for hours. About accent walls. About accent walls. And so, an yeah, RV. what are some of the accent walls we've done so far? Some, well, of course, so it's shiplap, board and batten. Um, we've done uh, some different, you know, drawn on walls. Mm, uh, we've yeah. done some stenciling. So, the list goes on and on. Yeah. Do you remember the first accent wall that we ever did in our first travel trailer re renovation that we did for ourselves? Uh, do I want to? <laughs> that wallpaper. Mm. So I found this super cute wallpaper that I had big plans of us putting behind the bed in our travel trailer. And the wall was slanted, which made it a little more difficult. Uh, I finally talked Derek into going out to the RV with me to try to apply the wallpaper. I thought it was probably like an hour project. Our kids were going to be home from school soon. We We totally had time to go out there and get it done. Meanwhile, it was probably, you know, getting to be summertime. It was probably like 90 degrees out. So we were in humid. there. Wisconsin's humid when it's hot. We were sweating. And I think I ran a time lapse of this whole process. So somewhere we have that. But uh, it was a struggle. The struggle was real <laughs> to get this wallpaper. Wallpaper can be a struggle. We had to get it lined up and, you know, on the wall properly. And it was definitely a team building exercise. Yeah, we, we exchanged a few words that day, if I remember correctly. But uh, yeah, we we stayed married, and the wallpaper <laughs> got up and looked it decent. Looked, it looked good, yeah. Yeah, it was. We were proud of ourselves. Yeah, we got it up. We got got the kids off the bus, made them a snack, went on with our night. The next morning, we went back out to the travel trailer to work on some other things, and the wallpaper was on the ground. Oh, I could have cried. I probably did cry. You probably cried. <laughs> That, that was the end of wallpaper, and we've thought about using it a couple different times in some of these renovations. We've actually went as far as to buy some. Yeah, I think each renovation I sneak in, like in the mood board, wallpaper ideas. Derek usually shuts those down during those design meetings. Or I find a much easier and more practical way to paint or draw it on. <laughs> I think that initial wallpaper catastrophe can i call it a catastrophe it was a catastrophe i think it really jaded you when it comes to wallpaper yeah i'm definitely nervous about wallpaper so all you rv renovators out there that do wallpaper kudos to you
Right. But I think we also have a little bit of challenges here in Wisconsin with extreme summer heat and humidity and then Mm -hmm. cold, cold winters. And I don't know that that's super favorable for a lot of adhesives, including the ones that would be involved in wallpaper. So that's another reason that that I picked to avoid it. It's just I'm I'm worried about the longevity. That makes sense. And that's fair. And I'm sure... Anyone buying an RV appreciates them. I hope so. In addition to the wallpaper wall that wasn't so successful, some other options that have worked really well for us are board and batten, um, some different wood designs, uh, shiplap. Um, what else have we done? Just stenciling again. and Faux uh, brick. Faux brick, drawing on with markers, uh, painting. I think that, that kind of rounds it out. We also did foam tiles. Oh, yeah. Foam ceiling tiles we did as a behind the bed in the Wildwood renovation, and I really mm-hmm. liked that. Yeah, it added dimension <laughs> and uh, design and color. It was it was cool. It was still very lightweight too. I think that's really an important thing to consider when putting in an accent wall in a travel trailer or a fifth wheel is that you want to consider weight that you're putting in. You don't want to be adding you know a ton of weight with wood. And so that's why we personally make our own shiplap. So we take either a quarter inch or an eighth inch plywood, or some people call it lou on board, and we rip that down into strips. Yeah, and boards, really. Usually, And the cool part about this, too, is that you can uh, customize how wide they are. Mm-hmm, so true. if there's a magic number that'll fit on the wall, mm-hmm. um, you're not tied to you know whatever the material uh, width is um, from the store you can you know if it needs to be six and a quarter and that'll fit in an even quantity up and down the wall well then you can make it yourself that sounds like a lot of math it is there's there's a lot of elementary math involved in rv renovation who would have thought it's just elementary math that's as far as i ever got <laughs> just kidding i probably had algebra one <laughs> you went to college i did i went to college <laughs> It doesn't mean I went to class, but I did graduate college. All, all kidding aside, it was a good, good. Did you not take many math classes? I took as the, as few as possible. I really yeah. did. And good to know. Yeah. Good to know, ladies. Bachelor of Communications. So. <laughs> and he's so great at communicating. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we, we rip our own shiplap boards, so they're lightweight. You can mm-hmm. customize the size. Um, when we're installing them, we just use some construction adhesive and some little brad nails. Uh, we try to be sure to make sure the brad nails are going into the wall studs. You got to be cognizant of where wires might be or um, you know, if it happens to be a wall that actually has plumbing on it, which isn't real common. You want to know where all that stuff is, and you want to be sure that you're not sending a nail through something important because you'll hate yourself afterwards if you do that. And then um, while you're installing it, you can just use uh, one of the other boards or pieces as a spacer mm-hmm. to make sure that you're getting, getting even gaps in between those as you go up or down. We find that um, doing the shiplap uh, horizontally is a little bit better than doing it vertically. Vertically, we like how it looks vertically, but uh, there's oftentimes there's a lot less to secure it to just with the, the studs in the wall. What do you think your favorite accent wall is? Oh, I like to draw on marker marker accent walls. That's my favorite. I like shiplap. We've also done adhesive tiles. Um, mm-hmm. We've been kind of steering clear uh, away from those, again, just because we're worried about kind of the longevity that they might hold. But we could revisit it. Yeah, I know that there's some new companies that have came out more recently that are supposed to be a lot better. Right. 
So we pick out those walls. Um, flooring is something that we definitely consider. Mm -hmm. I mean, even in the shopping process, when I'm shopping for an RV, if I see that the floor is in good shape and it has some uh, design or color that might work uh, as is and not have to be completely demoed out, that's that's a big plus for me. Yeah, and how we've kind of worked around that so far with a few renovations is that we were able to keep the main floor and then obviously we rip out the carpet in the slide or if it was like in the bedroom or going up the beds, we rip that out and then replace it with a complimentary luxury vinyl that kind of like ties in. So maybe the main level or main floor is kind of like a wood tone, then you can pair it with something solid more like um, what we've personally done is a solid black luxury vinyl and it seems to pair well together. Mm -hmm. And it holds up well and you just gotta be make sure again that you pick a fairly lightweight product just so you're not adding another 400 pounds to your slide. Yeah, but. you really want a luxury vinyl that's about three to five millimeters. And then from there, I think uh, we're just assessing overall like furniture. Are we keeping cabinets? Are we building new storage? Is there a banquette going in? Mm -hmm. um, what's happening with the couch area? So we just assess it. Is there anything that we're going to have to build? Entertainment center, you know, fireplaces. Those are all, all big features that would be considered kind of in that build category for us. Yeah, and then we also go over lighting. Uh, we really like to add some residential lighting into our RV renovations, again, to just give them that kind of like homey feel. Yeah, it adds such a great touch. Uh, it's fairly easy to do. You just oftentimes need to add a switch to the lighting unit. Mm -hmm. And we have some videos, um, uh, some saved stories, and I think a reel on part of that process. I know that, that there's process. a lot of questions surrounding that, though. Uh, let's just walk through that process real quick for anyone that might be considering putting a residential light in their RV. Yeah, we, actually, lately. Lately, we've had uh, quite a few questions mm -hmm. where people were either trying to do it and it wasn't working for them, or they're just asking us what their approach is. But super simple. Like in, the, in your RV wall, there's going to be usually two wires um, from the current fixture. Um, one might be black, one might be white, maybe it's brown and white, usually it's a dark and a light color. And then um, on the fixtures that you buy, there's going to be generally two two wires. You know, there might be a ground wire as well, but usually there's two wires. And what you're going to do, what we do is usually just match up, you know, white to white or light to light. We take that switch and oftentimes you have to modify the fixture itself. So you have to drill a hole in the base of the fixture and kind of mount that switch in there. But then what you do is just um, you attach one end of the wire for the switch to the wall, one end of the wire to the switch to uh, the wire coming out of the fixture itself. So it's really simple, really simple that way. You just think of it as an electric circuit. When you hit the switch, it's just shutting that circuit off. So that needs to be in between part of the supply. And you just tuck everything up in there and install it. And the most important thing, though, is that you got to remember that uh, it's a 12-volt system. So the light bulb needs to be a 12 volt light bulb. Actually, the most important thing that you didn't cover, sorry to call you out, you wanna shut all the electric off in the RV before you start working on the lights. You do. <laughs> of course we, I do that. <laughs> I've, knock on wood, I haven't been shocked yet. So yeah, we, we unhook, we, I'll even unhook the battery and um, any kind of shore power whenever I'm doing any kind of electrical, electrical yes, work safety, like that. Safety first. And so as long as you get everything wired up properly and you're using a proper light bulb, that should work beautiful for you. There should yeah. be really, really no issues at swapping out. Um, and we would always recommend using LED light bulbs just because if you are running off of battery power, 12 volt power, it's going to draw a whole lot less uh, energy. 
Yeah, and then as always, kind of touching back, it's important to make sure the light fixture you're ordering isn't too heavy to, again, you don't want to add a lot of weight into the rig. And then it's also important when ordering to measure and make sure that it's going to fit in the space that you're envisioning it in. There's definitely plenty of times that I find light fixtures that I'm in love with and I'm absolutely certain we're going to put them in the RV and then I run the run the purchase past Derek and he's like, that's not going to fit. This cupboard door will hit that light and break it or, you know, whatever it may be. So you definitely want to take that into consideration too. And there's small spaces. So you just got to remember mm-hmm. that, it, you know, what's going to fit over a, a table in a house might not fit as well over the table inside the RV. Yeah. And of course, be cognizant as well that people, the ceilings aren't real high in travel trailers. So you also don't want your light fixture hanging way down and hitting someone in the head. Right. Uh, The other thing too I would consider is um, any hanging, like free swinging light fixtures. Mm -hmm. Um, You might want to consider a way to kind of hook that up for travel just so it's not something that gets swinging like a big pendulum, you know, when you're driving around and it makes the wires come loose or breaks the light bulb or the fixture. So if it is something that that has a lot of hang to it, you just want to find a way to neutralize that for travel. And then during the design process, you always love when I bring up different sink basins and different faucet and plumbing fixtures. That's definitely your favorite part of any renovation, I would say. Yeah, I would vote to just keep it all factory. They knew what they were doing when they built it, so why change it? You're going to put all RV renovators out of business with talk like that. No, it's just because it's um, it's definitely not it's definitely my least favorite part of these renovations so far. I hope that that'll change, you know, someday not too far away. But um, it's just it's like any of these things. The more you do it, the more comfortable you get doing mm-hmm. it. The more you learn, it gets easier, it gets quicker. But I we've talked to a, you know a few different renovators now that they kind of indicate the same thing that even though the plumbing itself is simple, it's a simple system. Um, it can, it's just a lot of headaches, you know, because a lot of these uh, tubes are kind of buried. They're in small spaces. Yes. I'm like all hunched up and twisted and, you know, underneath kitchen cabinets and stuff. And it's just, it would be so much easier to do if, probably if you just ripped all the cabinets out and did it in an open area. But, you know, we don't try to do that usually. So, I mean, you've definitely said a time or two that you're real thankful that you practice yoga. Yoga is probably needed if you're going to do a lot of RV plumbing. That's that's for sure. Flexibility is important. Right. And lighting, too. I always find myself like up under there being like, oh, God, where's my where's my flashlight? Or I have to get my phone out. And so I always bring a light. That's That would be my tip. But definitely plumbing and fixtures can add a lot to an RV renovation and, again, make them feel so much homier and cozy. Very cozy, very homey. Um, the other thing we've cut, we've uh, found though too is that sinks get heavy real fast, mm-hmm. so pay attention to that. But also, um, if you do end up keeping the current RV sink, you have to consider the idea that that is often just plastic, and so you got to watch out too with the the weight of the fixtures that you're putting on it. You can get these really big, huge um, kitchen sink faucets. And they can be so heavy that, uh, again, when you're traveling and it's bumping around, those things could potentially crack and break the sink basin. So lots of things to think about. But those are those are some of the things that we talk about when we're in there and we're putting together the action plan. Um, yeah, we make sure to then, take all our before pictures so that we can see that before and after. Um, I think it, the big things that you want to consider when ordering and shopping for things is just the weight that you're putting in your RV. 
it's really, it's kind of, you know, we're not taking stuff out and weighing it and then weighing stuff and putting it in, but we are kind of more or less like eyeballing, you know, in a sense, like we know the couch we took out, you know, was relatively this heavy. The couch mm-hmm. we're putting in, oftentimes it's lighter, but, um, you know, you just got to, you got to keep those, those swaps in your mind. Yeah. I've definitely had a few people reach out over the last like year and say, oh, I accidentally ordered this couch and it's, you know, weighs this much. Do you think I can put it in the RV? Or we ordered these floors and they're pretty thick. Do you think it's safe to put it in the RV? You just, you really want to look at that weight before you hit order. And every RV is so different. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of them, every RV has, you know, how much it weighs dry, but then it also has a weight for how much uh, storage or capacity that it has, payload capacity. And um, those can vary so much depending on, you know, the, structure of the the underlying trailer build and the axles so that that's something to consider too because you know 124 foot uh travel trailer might only be rated for 1500 pounds of additional um, cargo that's all your stuff if you're camping in it and you know if you had if you're driving around with water and that sort of stuff another trailer the same size might be rated for 3,000 pounds so uh in in some of those bigger trailers where there's lots more cargo capacity you might not have to you know nickel and dime the poundage that you're swapping in and out, but it's still something to be really aware of. Yeah, that's a good point. And then from that interior design meeting, um, after we've went over everything, we've decided what's going to stay, what's going to go. We've measured everything so that when it's time for me to go and shop, I can just pull these documents out of um, Word or notes uh, and know, okay, I can order a couch less than 70 inches and it can be this wide instead of having to run out to the travel trailer and measure that space. We have everything in front of us. I know what I need to order and what size, which is really helpful. Yeah, like April said, we measure all the windows, we measure Mm -hmm. all the countertops, um, all the furniture pieces, and we try to detail that as much as possible in notes usually. Um, That's just the iOS app. And so that pulls onto all of our phones, all of our computers, and no matter where we are, you know, we're able to just pull that up and take a glance if we need to. Yeah. And so from there, we've kind of decided everything that's going on inside that we move outside and kind of go over that together as well during that design meeting. Generally, we try to buy uh, RVs that are in good shape and they're newer. So hopefully there's Mm -hmm. not a whole lot of disrepair on the exterior, but still, um, you know, there's oftentimes there's things that got broken while people were camping or... Yeah, like screen doors. That happens a lot. Door latches. Yeah, or, you know, we might come across some seals that are kind of getting, you know, a, a little worse for wear and tear. And so we want to replace those. And Yeah, at this at this time, it's really like we kick the tires. <laughs> we do literally check out the tires because we've <laughs> had some personal experience on the wrong end of that one. So we want to make sure that the tires are in, you know, good enough shape, uh, depending on, too, depending on what the, the potential buyer might be using them for. And then that the axles look good, the brakes function, um, the bearings, you know, are all greased. So that stuff is all safe. Yeah. And I feel that's so important. Um, I feel like another big one that you've had to do a lot is just like uh, replace outdoor light bulbs. It seems like, I feel like every RV we buy, the outdoor lights don't turn on and it's just because like the light bulbs burnt out. Yeah, I think that they're easy to leave on, especially if there's uh, lights in a indoor storage mm-hmm. compartment or outdoor storage compartment um, that goes indoors. It's really easy for people to just leave those on and they burn out. And so that's an easy fix. Uh, 
there's other simple cosmetic things like tank covers or just touching up um, some of the rusty spots, kind of removing you know any kind of rust that that's beginning to form, and then recoating that with some with some uh, metal paint. Yeah, and of course we do a thorough cleaning, which is obviously not part of this design process, but I mean it happens with every RV. It ends up getting thoroughly power washed and cleaned. And the same goes for the inside. It gets a thorough cleaning as well. And then we address all the caulking. So we just make sure that there's no current, you know, issues and that there isn't anything that's going to develop in the near future. So just make sure that all those seals on the roof are all, uh, you know, properly uh, caulked and sealed. Uh, typically, we use um, a Dicor product for the roof. And mm -hmm. um, then we definitely, if it has a slide, uh, you know, check the, the rubber slide seals around it. And then we're real... Um, from past experiences, uh, I've seen the issues that can develop around the base of the slide, the floor. Um, there's a little seal right down there, and we've seen water issues firsthand develop, you know, with just a little gap, like a half inch gap down in that seal. So we make sure that we take care of all that stuff. And then really at that point in the design process, we'll decide if there's any uh, systems that we might be upgrading. Um, not that we've done a whole lot of this at this point, but you know, there might be uh, fans that need replaced. There just might be part of a like jack component that would be better if it was um, powered. Um, we've heard some really interesting uh, things talking, you know, with people already on this podcast that have inspired us to kind of look in some of those directions. But um, yeah, that would be, that would kind of round out, I think, what that whole design meeting, design process is really all about. Yeah. So then we have the design and we have it all in front of us. We have the measurements, the overall idea, and then it's really just time to get to work. And so Derek and our boys begin demo and I begin shopping. You do more than just shopping, right? Well, yeah, but I just mean. No, she mostly does shopping. <laughs> I really do. Just kidding. But yeah, we get to work and uh, we don't necessarily have like a plan that, you know, this day, this is getting done and this day and that is getting done. That's just how I like to roll. Because I hate to get behind. Uh, but I really would like to have a plan, like a concrete plan. This is getting done this day. Forecast it out. Be like, this is the day we'll be done. It's not how Derek works. And it drives me bonkers. I just know how the real world works. And I know that, you know, if we estimate uh, this certain part of the process is going to take one day. And there's, there's a chance it's going to take three. But that's just fine. You build a buffer in there. Yeah. Eventually what happens is I get to a point where um, I'm comfortable creating a punch list. And sometimes mm -hmm. those punch lists are um, two pages long. So they're not, not necessarily a total punch list. But at that point, I think things kind of fall more into a more regulated Yeah, schedule. I think it's real uh, cool. I think it's cool how you also, I mean, even though you maybe work off the cuff a little more, you also really keep yourself accountable with like, I don't want to call it like a journal, but... Are you going to tell them about my <laughs> RV renovation diary? Yes. <laughs> I thought I had that locked up. Yeah, so I've noticed that you like to write down what you got done that day. Like day one, I had a design meeting with April and did this. Day two, I power washed the outside of the exterior and did this. Like you're holding yourself accountable by doing that. Yeah, and I think that um, my one of my hopes with that too is just that if I detail um, something that I did in the past, uh, you know, just memory-wise, like for me, if it's not something that I'm doing every day, day in, day out, even though it might be something I've done before, I might not totally recall 
how I did it or what I, what I did to do it. So I think that's part of the process uh, for me too, is to just take notes, hopefully on some of that, so that if I encounter it again, and you know, maybe it's not for 12 months, that I have something to look back on and be like, oh, okay, this is, this is what we did there. And um, so I think that's part of what it began in. And then also just to kind of track how long these renovations are taking us. And yeah, it is kind of cool to look back and be like, okay, day 13. Well, day 13, last time we were this far or day 13, this time we're four days ahead of schedule compared to then. It can be good and bad. Yeah, I was just going to say it's like probably also an unnecessary evil. Because <laughs> it, it, if you get in that hole where you feel like you're behind, you know, things just aren't as much fun for me, at least when you're working from behind. But I don't know, so far, so good. You know, yeah. these aren't uh, these systems aren't perfect. They're just what we've uh, been doing, you know, to this point. Where Do you I'm, wish you had a little bit more say in the design process? You know, I, uh, I get a say. I mean, I had a little more say last time. You did. You Dude, you came up with that wood planked ceiling, which was, I liked it. It looked good and I doubted you, but nice work. Thanks. I appreciate that. So yeah, I might let you come up with like a few more ideas this time. Ooh, this sounds like a promotion. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You can come up with as many ideas as you want. I just might veto them all. <laughs> so that's our process so far, at least at this point. We're just about ready to begin renovation number seven. So this has been a developing process. It'll continue to develop. I'm sure there's things that we do now that, you know, if we're doing this five years from now, we're going to look back and be like, what were we thinking? But true. that's how you grow. That's how you learn. I think it's better to be doing than to be stuck, you know, in the mud um, because you don't have all the perfect plans out in front of you or the perfect tools. So, and uh, if you like what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe. Um, there's a video version on YouTube. If you're not aware of it, you can watch it and subscribe there as well. And if you have ideas for guests or uh, ideas for uh, questions to ask guests or topics, we're all ears on that one. We have so many awesome episodes to release to you guys soon. We have a great episode coming out next week with another guest. And we're so excited to share all these ideas for giving your RV a new look. See you next time. Bye guys. Losing,